0: Welcome on into the JR Sport Brief Show. It is Ryan Hickey in for JR on this Friday. Appreciate you making us a part of your Friday here. Winding down the work week, getting the weekend started already. Either way, thank you for making us a part. Hopefully we're here to brighten your Friday. All right, so in a few days, we are going to have the NFL scouting combine cub our way. Which means we're going to get days of hand-size reports. Guys that are weighing in too big. Guys that are weighing in too small. Guys that are running too slow. Guys that are not running fast enough. You know how this works. But with the scouting combine here about to commence, I want to use it as an excuse kind of give you my outlook on quarterbacks um, in this upcoming draft class. And kind of project ahead how I think that they are going to do at the next level. I have six tiers. Six tiers. I want to break some of the biggest quarterback names going into the draft to tell you how I think they're going to be. Number one, the superstar tier. There's one quarterback and one quarterback alone in that tier. It's Caleb Williams. Look, I am all in on Caleb I think he's not only going to be the first overall pick. I mean, that's obviously thing at this point. But I think he's going to be a true superstar. This guy, to me, is someone who has it all. Arm talent. Mobility. Athletic ability. Accuracy. Playmaking. He, I would say, is the king of making chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what. I think he's a true can't-miss prospect. And I know we've said that about a lot of guys. The most recently, Trevor Lawrence. Generational talent. And then obviously so far, Trevor Lawrence has not lived up to that hype. I think right now, bare minimum, the Bears are going to get their first ever franchise quarterback. I think Caleb Williams, though, is going to be a top three quarterback in the NFL sooner rather than later. He is the real deal. He is really, really good. I'm all in on Caleb. He is in the superstar tier of quarterbacks in this upcoming draft class. The playoff tier. Where if you draft this guy... And that you can feel pretty good each and every year of your team going to the playoffs. One quarterback in that tier. Michael Penix Jr. To me, he's a better version of Tua. That's exactly what he is. Very similar in terms of lefty, not a lack of, or I should say a lack of mobility. But when you watch Penix play, the thing I like about him the most is that he is a guy who plays his best football in the biggest games. You know, it's easy to, to put 450 yards and four touchdowns on Utah State. But it's a different story when you're playing Oregon on the road and have to beat them. And Michael Penix Jr., each and every time he's played in a big game, he has come through and been great. Okay, national title didn't go his way. That was, I think, a credit as well to Michigan's defense. They are outstanding. But you look at the three times he's played Oregon in his two years at Washington. Texas in the playoff game. USC, Utah, any big game Washington has played in the last two years, Penix has not only led them to victory, he has also played really damn well. That is something you can't teach, but that is massive when you draft a quarterback. Because, again, when we look at the NFL right now, part of the frustration for some guys is, well, they're good regular season quarterbacks, or they're good against the bad teams, but once all of a sudden you play a big game, and a good defense and a good team rolls into town. How do you play? There are a lot of quarterbacks that struggle to to keep up the performance that they put on against bad teams. Penix is not one of those guys. He is someone who shines in the big moment. I think if you know when he's drafted, you could absolutely feel good about eight out of ten years, let's say your team being in the playoffs. He's absolutely a guy. They could he win you a Super Bowl. I think the jury's still out on that. Some injury questions as well but I think you could feel really good that you have basically a better version of Tua, which is someone that's going to play point guard, throws a tremendous deep ball. Great accuracy, great arm strength. That's a guy you feel really good about. That's going to get you to the playoffs most years. Playoff tier, one quarterback in that tier. It is Michael Penix Jr. The eh tier. that will be solid. Nothing great. In two, three, four years, I think he'll leave you with a. Eh, he's all right. Quarterback at that tier. Drake May. He reminds me a lot of Daniel Jones. Not playing style wise, but I think expectations, uh, expectation and production wise. Like, May is a guy that is very athletic. Does not have you know a good team around him. He kind of gives you, you can put those excuses, kind of like we do with Daniel Jones, as to why you could buy in of oh, They're going to be better in the pros. So we'll have a better team around them. They'll be all well and good. But we see with Daniel Jones, he's one of those guys that is, eh, okay. You could definitely do worse than Daniel Jones. You could also definitely do better than DJ as well. He's a guy who has won a playoff game, but as soon as they've played, you know, a really good team, he's not very good. But he's good enough where it's hard to move off of him. And you saw the Giants last year pay him four years, $160 million. He is good enough to where there are not a ton of upgrades that you feel good that's a big-time improvement over Daniel Jones. That's what I think you'll get with Drake May, assuming he goes to the commanders at number two. Heavy, I mean, eh! Show yourself flashes. Be Around average, where you can definitely downgrade. Also, you can definitely upgrade from Drake May, but it's not going to be one of those where you feel good about him delivering you a championship. Or you can win a playoff game with Drake May, get to the playoffs with Drake May, but can you feel like every single year your team's going to be in the mix with Drake May at quarterback? I don't think so. I think after three, four years, if you're a Washington fan who does draft him number two, I think your big thing is going to be, eh, he's all right. Definitely could do worse. The Mitch Trubisky tier. One quarterback in this tier. J.J. McCarthy. I think he's going to be a bust. Like, I'll be honest. I know there's now a growing sentiment of J.J. McCarthy's going to be a top 10 pick, and this is, you know, the guy in the draft. I don't see it. I don't get the hype. I don't get the allure with J.J. McCarthy coming into this draft. I mean, what I saw at Michigan, to me, tells me all I need to know. This was a team that, in the biggest games, was afraid to rely on their quarterback. They ran the ball really well, absolutely. And they were a team that was a run-first team. They also didn't utilize the pass that much. But you would think if you had a really good quarterback you felt great on, you would have a balanced approach because you have a great quarterback and a great run game. That should have been an unstoppable offense. Instead, it was an unstoppable offense only from the rushing attack side. It didn't, like, to me watching, it did not feel like Michigan's coaching staff trusted J.J. McCarthy. Did not want him to let loose, did not want him to truly kind of get out there and let it rip. That is problematic. If Jim Harbaugh, quarterback whisperer, QB guru, is afraid to put the ball in J.J. McCarthy's hands and let him rip, why should I feel good that any team who drafts him, he's going to... He's gonna come out there and perform. Gonna play like a top 10 pick and live up to that expectation. This to me is Mitch Trubisky written all over. Where you see the athletic ability, see the mobility, you can kind of get caught up in all that stuff. Ignore what you saw on the field, draft him way higher than you should, and then in three years, be back drafting somebody else. That's what I think you're gonna see if a team that uh for the team that drafts JJ McCarthy, especially if they do so in the top 10, and expect to make him their guy poor decision maker at times not always someone who rise up in the big moment this to me has Mitch Trubisky written all over it I don't think he's gonna be a very good pro I think he's gonna be a bust the wild card tier where I'll be honest I could go either way I have no idea how this one quarterback is gonna work out in the pros and that's Jaden Daniels he was fun at LSU he was insanely athletic but I have no idea how that translates. I thought Lamar Jackson was not going to be a very good quarterback. I'll be completely honest with you. I did not think his game would translate to the NFL level. And I with a second MVP he just won, he's doing pretty well for himself. I could see Jaden Daniels kind of going in and being the Lamar Jackson 2.0. With that dual threat ability, run pass is unstoppable. I can also see him being the equivalent of Johnny Manziel. Not off the field. Not off the field. But on the field, where Johnny Manzella at college right, made a living running around, being faster than everybody else, and just being more athletic than everybody else. That worked at Texas A&M. He tried that same thing in the pros, did not work. i I've, honest, I truly have no idea what Jaden Daniels He is someone that is, to me, is a complete wild card. Either could be a top five quarterback in the league, or it could be someone who's going to be a backup after two or three years. And you see enough of him, and you say, ah, oh, okay. Not very good. Total, total wild card. Because a lot of how he played at LSU, especially last year, was, let me run around. Let me outrun defensive linemen. Make plays, you know, choke and outrun linebackers. Your, your speed with how fast the NFL defensive players, or even the 300-pound guys, you can't just outrun them. So I'm not so that his athletic ability alone is going to be enough to lead him to success, and I, I just don't know about the rest of his game, his ability to read defenses, process, go from one, two, three, make quick decisions accurately, timing wise. I got nothing. With Jaden Daniels, I got nothing. So we're giving quarterback tiers here as we get set for the NFL Draft to uh, the NFL Draft, the NFL Scouting Combine to start next week in Indy. Six tiers, six quarterbacks. Superstar tier, Caleb Williams, playoff tier, Michael Penix Jr. The eh tier, Drake May, Mitch Trubisky tier is JJ McCarthy. Wild card is Jaden Daniels. And finally, we'll call it the Brock Purdy tier. The if you land in the right situation, you could be very special. Bo Nix. Bo Nix is a guy that I think can be Brock Purdy 2.0 if he goes into the right situation. If he has good coaching, if he has good talent around him, this is a guy I think that could win a lot of games. A lot of games. I think he could be better, a better version than Dak Prescott. He could be a guy that could win you multiple playoff games a year. Nix is someone who has good mobility. He's accurate. He's a good decision maker. What I like are two things. Number one, he's a very seasoned vet. Five years as a starter. Three at Auburn, two at Oregon. So he's a lot of snaps, a lot of experience under his belt. He has the most career starts in college football history at the quarterback position. So he's seen a lot. He's played a lot of big games, and he is polished in that sense. What I also like about Nick's and why I'm very intrigued by him is the fact that this is a guy who has improved every single year. From his freshman year at Auburn to now his, if you want to call it, redshirt senior year at Oregon, he has gotten better each and every year of his career. So that is someone that I think can come in. He's not going to be a first-round pick, which I think is to his benefit. Fall in the draft, go to a team where you may have to even sit for a year. Like, if he goes to situations like Dallas, but right now, I mean, Dak's future, maybe it could be Gone from Dallas sooner rather than later. And Bo Nix has to sit in it for a year or two, then comes into the into the frame. Minnesota. Right now, even if they resign Kirk Cousins at 36, is Kirk their long-term option, let's say, for the next five years? No. Seattle. You got Juno Smith for at least next year. After that, his future is questionable. You fall to one of those three spots, even if you go to, like, Atlanta. Where they say, you know, we're going to pick up Kirk Cousins for a year or two. Also, draft Knicks as well and try to create a 2 timeline plan. You go to any one of four of those spots, I think Knicks could have a lot of success. And be a really, really good quarterback and thrive there. So, I think if you're Bo Nicks, you go to the right spot, you can have success. The complete wild card, Jaden Daniels, where I think you can either play really well or be a backup pretty quickly. A guy that I think will be a backup and will be a bust is J.J. McCarthy. I think the eh, he'll be okay. Guy for me is Drake May. I think Michael Penix Jr. is a quarterback that if you draft, you feel pretty good about making the playoffs every single year and winning a playoff game. I think he's a better version of Tua. And Caleb Williams, superstar. This is a guy I think can absolutely come in and be one of the top three, top five quarterbacks in the league very fast. He is the real deal. 855 212 855 212 I think Caleb Williams is the obvious answer, so let me ask you this question then instead. What quarterback outside of Caleb Williams do you believe in the most? That if you ha- if your team had the ability to draft anyone but Caleb, you want on your team, and you feel like that is the guy, take my team for the next five years here to the top. 855 212 On social media, Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. When we get back here, we'll take your thoughts. But also, too, I am very high on Caleb Williams. A lot of people are high on Caleb Williams. But you know what happens around this time. When everybody's excited about one guy, what happens? The knocks. The flaws start to come out. But I heard someone, Rick Spielman, actually, former NFL GM, give a lot of praise to Caleb Williams. So much so. He compared him to some greats, and even would take Caleb Williams over some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL we have seen in recent time. I'll have you hear that when we do return. It's Ryan Hickey in for JR Sport Brief right here on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome on into CBS Sports Radio. It is the JR Sport Brief Show. JR off on this Friday, enjoying a three-day weekend. Ryan Hickey sitting in for JR. He'll he will be back on Monday. We're talking about right now, in terms of quarterbacks, the ones you believe in the most, right? It's always this time where optimism does reign supreme. It's easy to kind of talk yourself and get wrapped up into Drake May becoming the next Patrick Mahomes or Bo Nix being the savior or J.J. McCarthy being the steal of the draft. But I tried to break them down into tears because I think that's an easier way of discussing expectations um, for these guys and what you can kind of get um, if your team does draft them. And I think first and foremost, I feel like this term is thrown around almost every year. So I hate to say it, but I think for this guy, it count uh, it applies, and that's Caleb Williams, generational talent. Like, if you just think of the word generation, you can't be using that every single year. It does not make sense. But, and I'm guilty of it at times as well, we do use that phrase. We've heard it for guys like John Elway. Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence, and now it's being talked about again with Caleb Williams. I think Caleb Williams is the real deal. I am all in. I think this is a guy that's going to translate really, really well to the NFL level and is going to be an absolute superstar. Take the league by storm. Be the Bears' first ever franchise quarterback. I mean, hell, he might be the first 4,000-yard passer in his rookie year. That's how good and that's how much of an immediate impact I think he can make in Chicago. But don't, don't just take my word for it. Rick Spielman is someone I, I respect a lot. Former Vikings GM, now does a really good job at CBS Sports and the 33rd team of doing their draft coverage. He was on the First Pick podcast earlier this season, back in October, midway through the 2023 college football season. And he was asked where he would rank Caleb Williams, not in this draft class, but against some of the best quarterbacks in previous draft classes. Take a listen to where Rick Spielman would rank Caleb Williams. What about 2021 when Trevor Lawrence went first? You taking Trevor or Caleb? Caleb. Nice. 2020, Joe Burrow or Caleb? Caleb. Wow, look at that, Debo. I'll go to 2012, Andrew Luck or Caleb. That's a that's a toss up for me because wow. I thought Andrew Luck was one of those. Generational franchise quarterbacks, Uh, but I would be real close. But I would probably go with Luck just ahead of Caleb. But right there, a one A and one B. I mean, that is that's as good a praise you could possibly get in the discussion of an Andrew Luck, where first year at the Colts takes up from two and fourteen to eleven and five, makes make the playoffs, get further in the playoffs each of the first three years of his career unfortunately, as a Colts fan myself, saw it happen. They, they, the Colts ruined his career, injury-wise. But who knows what he could have been. He should have been, was on the path to being a top three quarterback in the NFL if injuries, unfortunately, didn't derail and end prematurely his career. But I don't think, like, Rick Spielman's talking in hyperbole there. Like, that to me is how good Caleb Williams is. And I think it's easy to knock him because you look at USC this year going 7-5, and five, and the offense line was not very good. And at times, Caleb Williams felt like he was forcing the ball and kind of contributing to some of their issues. He is the real deal. There's not a flaw in his game. And you watch him, can throw on the run, insanely accurate, great arm strength. He's a playmaker. Like, I think now, too, when you look at the quarterback position, I think you have to fall into one of two tiers. Playmaker? Or someone that can just run the offense. For example, like Brock Purdy is someone that just runs the offense, right? I'm a big Brock Purdy guy, but he's a point guard. So I guess maybe that's a better way to say it. Playmaker or point guard? Get the ball out, put the ball where it needs to be, be accurate, be on time, and put the ball in a position where your players can make runs after the catch. Brock Purdy, I think, does that tremendously. That's one end of the spectrum. The other end is, obviously, Patrick Mahomes. You're just a pure playmaker. Things go off script. You got to, you know, move around a little bit, throw on the run, buy time. Makes plays. Caleb Williams falls into that playmaker category. He can, he can come to your team and instantly elevate everyone else around him. Here's a need, you know, a wide receiver one and running back one and tight end one and a great offensive line. That's part of the reason why I think he's going to have a great NFL career. Because he doesn't need everything around him to be great. And the Bears are in a unique position where they're not. Like, the cupboard isn't bare. Right? Like, it's not like Bryce Young last year going to Carolina. A large part of why Carolina and Bryce Young struggled, especially or specifically, was because the talent around Bryce Young was awful. Offensive line stunk receivers were old and unable to get separation the run game was terrible like it was all on Bryce Young hey hey Bryce go make plays for us but by the way we also have no one else that can make plays around you so good luck thanks buddy that's not like you can't expect that you can't expect your quarterback in that position to thrive and succeed Caleb now going to the Bears where you have DJ Moore we have some Offensive line investments in previous drafts, as well as young guys coming on up. Running game, that's solid. Defense, that's good. Like, you have pieces there to succeed, to come and have success. And that's a guy I think that does make everyone else around him better. In a way that C.J. Stroud did this past year in Houston. Where I had, I'll be honest, I completely missed on C.J. Stroud. Not only did I not think he was going to be a, a very good quarterback, but also, too, I had major questions of him going to Houston just because you look at the talent on that team. They didn't have a lot. They had, they had none. No talent. We couldn't go into the air and talk about Nico Collins being a legitimate number one wide receiver. We had no idea what Tank Dell would become or even that run game. Offensive linemen is banged up all, all season long, but... Uh, Stroud's credit, which he did extremely well was he made everyone else around him better. Similar you know, to what Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning have done in their times and Tom Brady, you have everybody else raise their level of game just by your presence, just by how you play. That to me is what Caleb Williams does. And not only does he have some talent in Chicago, I think he could come in there right away and make everyone else around him better. And so Rick Spielman, just heard him say it. I mean, he's talking about he would take Caleb Williams over Joe Burrow if they were both in the same draft class. He would take Caleb Williams over Trevor Lawrence. And if it's a coin toss. He barely took Andrew Luck over Caleb, which is, I mean, Luck is one of right the most heralded draft prospects coming out of college we've seen since the draft started. That just show you how special this kid is. I know we've you know, had this discussion, right? Especially when it comes to quarterbacks, you overinflate their importance because everyone needs one. This guy's going to be the real deal. Baker Mayfield's going to be elite. Kenny Pickett's going to be elite. Like we always hype up these quarterbacks to be better than they are because everyone's excited and everyone wants to find the guy in the draft. There's no hyperbole, though, with Caleb Williams. That guy is the real deal. 855 212 4227. Speaking of the real deal, I really hope, as all of us as football fans here, I have our best interests at heart. I hope we never see Bill Belichick coach a game again. Because if he is not coaching a game again, that means he's doing something else. And I think it benefits all football fans. I'll tell you what that is when we do return. It is Ryan Hickey in for JR Sport Beef right here on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome on in. It is the JR Sport Brief Show. Ryan Hickey in for JR. Thankfully, at this point, the voice or my voice is not given out. Barely made it to the finish line yesterday. Fighting hard today. I will say we are we are fighting through it. Where it's not much of a cold, but it's enough to where at least my voice sounds the way it does. Um, very annoying. I Apologize for that. Thank you for uh, bearing with me here as we try to push through on this Friday. As a reminder, think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service from where else? But the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. So I said it before, what I'm about to say here comes from a good place that wants the best, right, for us as football fans. And that is, when I make this statement, What is best for us as football fans is if Bill Belichick never coaches another NFL game. I think we're all served better if he isn't uh, on TV. I think this is gonna be a guy who'd be an absolute superstar on TV. Like, remember Tony Romo the first year? The first year, he went into the broadcast booth with Jim Nance, and he's funny, he's charismatic, he's predicting the plays, he knows the formations. And it's like, oh my God, this guy's Romo Stradamus. This is this guy's awesome. Now that's star since faded, and rightfully so. I think he's regressed. Um, but that first year, he took the league by storm. I don't think Bill Belichick should be a studio guy, or I should say, be in the booth. I think he should be in a studio. I think that's where he's better suited. But I think he would be kind of similar to Tony Romo in year number one, where he would be a star. Well, we'll be talking about the games, yes, but be talking also also about Bill Belichick and how good of an analyst he is, how funny he is. I think he would be unbelievable. He is someone that obviously we know right in the press conferences and anytime he really is in the public spotlight, very serious, very down in business, we're on to Cincinnati. No messing around, short answers, the weather is what the weather is, we'll play, you know, he never gives you anything. But he does have a personality. And the person who talked about it, the person that would know better than anybody, is his son, Steve. Coached under him for a while, but also, too, now has moved on to be the Washington Huskies defensive coordinator. Steve Belichick was on the Greenlight Podcast with Chris Long, another former Patriot who's played under both Steve and Bill. And Steve told you, basically, look, my dad... He's pretty funny. He's definitely pursuing some other stuff, whether it's TV or. I smiled ear to ear when I saw him on college game day. And I don't know if you oh, yeah. You felt the same way where you're like, mm-hmm. that's who he is. Like, he's capable of that. Like, yeah. people were shocked. I'm like, "Yo, yeah, he's a funny guy, dude. Yeah, no, I mean, raw humor. Yes. Yeah, you know, putting on the helmet and stuff like that. Like, he does like that a lot, but it no one ever sees it. And so, I was happy that he people at least saw a better side of him that not a lot of people see. He is funny. I think he does truly have a personality where, like you said, he has no like he's a football coach, right? So he has no reason to show it to the media, no reason to show it to people he doesn't know. But I think deep down, he would be an absolute star. I think he would shine on TV. Not give you the Bill Belichick press conference. Self, where he's just mumbles, he has no personality, he looks like he's miserable to be there, like someone's forcing him to be there against his will, answering questions he doesn't want to talk about. If he's on TV, I think we'd actually see a fun, charismatic, but smart NFL analyst. I mean, we already sort of got a taste of that. If you go back a few weeks ago, one of the last games of the season in college football was Army-Navy at Gillette Stadium. I think it was actually in Philly. Either way. Bill Belichick was there in person as a celebrity guest picker, and it was a small, simple size, but did show you some personality if you forgot it. Take a listen. Coach, I'm going to take a page out of your book here. For Paul Dietzel's Chinese oh, bandits. Go, Go, Navy. Beat Army. Yeah. Obviously, you can't see what's going on there, but he and pulled a Lee corso. He put the Navy helmet on. It was like a 1960 Navy helmet. He comes on, picks Navy, gives you some histories you just heard about the, the helmet, the designs, what, what they meant. Like, he can be fun. There he is, still in the middle of coaching, putting a Navy helmet on. Bailey squeezed on his head, too. It was tight. It was one of those old-school helmets where just like you had the one bar across with a leather chin strap, buckles it up on the set. Bailey squeezed his head into it, giving him history. I think we would get a lot of that. I think Bill would be a lot, a lot of fun. Again, we see it in small sample sizes, but when he wants to be funny and cool, he can be. There's another viral clip here. From way back in the day, when Randy Moss was a Patriot and Randy Moss was trying to have a Halloween party in the season and he did the unthinkable. Let me tell you this. If I was Randy Moss, I would not have invited Bill Belichick. Number one, I mean, I probably wouldn't want him there. You know his personality. He's not very, you know, outgoing. He didn't he doesn't seem like he'd be the life of the party. But also, too, I'd be afraid that Belichick would run me out of his office for asking such a dumb question. Hey, coach, it's football season, but tonight we're gonna have a Halloween party. You wanna come? Well, Randy had you know what's the man here's Bill Belichick's response You're not interested in that are you in what Halloween party well this is what it is we're we, dressed as the devil no that's what we're doing it's, <laughs> well hey you'll get you might win the damn prize <laughs> trying to you know get us a little dj get us a roller rink and you know have it so have us a good night but like i said you're more than welcome And since halloween i mean we don't go out no more right you know what i'm saying right but we still have that it's halloween. a great holiday you know, yeah it's you know a great what I'm saying? holiday so we're candy and costumes yeah how can you beat that right. candy and costumes how could you beat that i would have for sure thought bill belichick never would have been a proponent of candy Never would have been a proponent of costumes. And then there's a video later on that night. There's Bill Belichick. I think he was dressed as a pirate, but not the devil. But that's part of, I think, what makes him funny. He's self-aware. He knows how his personality comes off. He knows how people perceive him. And I think being self-aware allows you to be funny, allows your personality to come out. And so, like, I was thinking about it. Like, if you put this guy, again, in a studio, not a booth analyzing the game, but a pregame show, a postgame show, even a show during the week. During football season, you put them on like ESPN with Rex Ryan with Randy Moss. Let me tell you this: I don't really ever. I don't watch a lot of Sunday pregame shows. I mean, Sunday's long enough, right? You have the games at one, at four, and eight. It's like almost a, a twelve-hour excursion anyway on Sunday. So I don't sit there at nine a.m. watching pregame shows before that. But I, I could promise you this: if ESPN announces. They are hiring Bill Belichick as a studio analyst and put him with Rex Ryan, put him with Randy Moss. I will be glued to that TV each and every week. I think that would be hilarious. Him and Rex go back and forth. Obviously, him and Randy know each other very well. They could bring that personality also out of Bill, but I think he is, when he wants to be, funny, witty, quick, good one-liners, but he's also smart. right? He's. I mean, no one is... Ever going to question his football knowledge? That guy knows what the hell he's talking about, and I think now, too, when you have more options than ever, um, and like in terms of media consumption, right? There's radio, there's podcasts, there's TV, there's episodes you could watch, there's YouTube clips. If you are a football fan and you want to get you know set for the game or you just want to listen to some sports talk, you have a million options. That's part of the reason why I always try to thank you for lo- tuning in as much as I can because I know you have a lot of options and I appreciate you picking us as that option to listen to, to watch, to spend your time with. But like, that's one of those guys that if Bill Belichick's in the media, I think he checks every box. Smart, tells you what's in uh, what you need to know get you ready for the game or, or analyze it the way it should have, why this went wrong, why this went right, who to praise, who not, you know, who to, who to blame, but also would do so in a, a fun and entertaining way. And on a total side note, but sort of related here, that's like part of the frustration with J.J. Redick. I personally like J.J. Redick. I think he's, again, a guy that's smart, knows what he's talking about. He's very X's and O's oriented, but I appreciate his perspective as a former player, what he brings to either studio shows at ESPN or what he brings to the game broadcast, but I don't know if you saw that clip that went pretty viral this week. But if you missed it, I'll explain it to you very fast. He was just basically upset of the fact that basically he called fans dumb because he, you know, he talks about how on YouTube he, you know, for nine minutes broke down Zion Williamson being the primary ball handler and what that means for the Pelicans' offense, and he claims all oh, that only gets fifty thousand views. But then I talk about why Doc Rivers, you know, no, you know, he's unaccountable and he's a mess in Milwaukee, and that gets tens of millions of views. And what JJ fails to understand, which what I think Bill Belichick would grasp, is the fact that it's twofold. You can't be two in the weeds. You got to be informational. Let us know why this happened, what should have happened, why didn't one thing that was supposed to happen happen? Inform us. But also do so in a way that we are entertained. Again, when you have so many different options, it's easy to kind of get the same thing from multiple places. What separates ESPN from us or Fox from CBS, whatever, a podcast or a radio show, a TV show from a YouTube show, is personality, is how you present it. And I think Bill would be a great personality if you put him in a studio, put him with Rex, put him with Randy, I mean, hell, You want to put him in Terry Bradshaw at Fox? I'm in. Who the the hell knows what Terry Bradshaw would say, Um, but I think Bill would be quick to the point. He's an historian. I think that would be a lot of fun. So, selfishly, of course. I hope Bill Belichick doesn't coach again. I think he would be awesome in the media. You heard his son say he is looking at TV opportunities. I hope he doesn't pull a Doc Rivers, goes to TV, then all of a sudden leaves the broadcast booth for the coaching field midway through the year. But I think if you put Bill Belichick on a studio network show, I think he would thrive. I think he would absolutely flourish. And that's a guy that I think would would be a a big-time hit for at least 2024. And then selfishly, I hope, for the rest of time. I don't want one year Bill Belichick knocking out of the park, and all of a sudden now he's back on the sideline. Guys like Sean Payton, I think Sean Payton got into TV in order to get another job. And so I thought Sean Payton was okay. Not great. But I think in part it was because he was not invested. He kind of knew, okay, this is a stopgap. I'll coach, uh, I'll do TV for a year, and then I could get back into coaching. If Bill actually says, you know what, I'm done coaching, I'm going to go to TV, and puts his heart into it, puts his mind into it, I think he would flourish. Absolutely flourish. Jack. Jack Stern producing tonight. Are you with me here? If if Bill Belichick was on a studio TV show next year, is it a must watch for you? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say it's a must watch because I'm not watching a studio show for one analyst. I mean, there's six guys talking on a lot of these shows and they can barely get words in. But I think it would be interesting to see how he shifted his personality a little bit, right? We don't really get to see players and coaches in a very raw, natural state, even how they would act in the locker room because they're so guarded whenever they're in front of the TV cameras. But hearing Bill Belichick's analysis seeing his sense of humor firsthand, I think a lot of people would get to see a very different side of him that perhaps we never got to see before. And for that reason, it would be really, really enjoyable as a viewer. And I think like we got a little bit of a snippet there in the two clips we just played before. like College game day, he obviously had fun, especially too with his connection to Navy. He was enjoying it. He was glad to be there. He was invested. And I think, like you said, he had his guard down. So then you can kind of see his personality shine through where he wasn't always watching his words because he wanted to provide nothing to the other team in terms of bullet board material. And even in that kind of behind-the-scenes video that was produced by, I believe, NFL Films of the whole Randy Moss-Bill Belichick interaction about the Halloween party, like, when Bill's guard is down, when he's just kind of being himself and having fun and not in the Bill Belichick coach mode, not in the I-got-to-give-the-other-team-nothing mode in terms of game plan, in terms of bullet-to-board material, so I'm just going to not say anything. He is, I think, at least for me, at least in those small uh, examples, showing you he could really be a guy that would be a lot of fun and he could thrive in a, in a studio show uh, studio show scenario if he was there for, again, the long term where he wasn't just worried about the next practice and the next game and focusing on the next thing. I think he could really have a lot of fun. And I'm sure, too, like from a lifestyle perspective, I think it'd be a lot better for him. Like, being an NFL high coach is not personally seeming a lot of fun. You're always on the grind. You know, when the season's going on, you're in the office, what, 18, 20 hours a day? Barely sleeping. Drinking coffee always. Always watching film. Then when it's not in season, it's the off season. You're watching tape to see what ages you, uh, you should sign. Then watching tape uh, for the draft picks. Who should you should draft? Then all of a sudden, it's OTAs and minicamp. Then it's like, you get no time off. I don't think being a coach is a lot of fun. I wouldn't want to do it. I know it's in Bill's blood. It's what he's done. But maybe now at his age, too, like, life's not just about, well, life is about living, right? And so you made all this money. You had all this success. You won six Super Bowls. Not the worst in the world. So, you know what? Let me kick my feet up. I'll still be around football. I love it. So I'll still be, you know, working the season. But maybe now in the summers, I'll be at the beach instead of in the film room. Maybe in the wintertime. I don't know if he likes skiing or if he likes snowboarding. Probably not snowboarding. Whatever. Do do something you like. Enjoy life. That is my advice to you, Bill, and that's why I hope he's in a studio for the foreseeable future. When we return, why the Milwaukee Bucks need to fire Doc Rivers. It's Ryan Hickey in for JR on CBS Sports Radio.